Yes. I love it. You know, I, uh, Tillin mentioned something about uh, how are you doing with your prayer and fasting. I just want to say this. I, the funny thing about prayer and fasting is, is that there's always that time when you blew it, right? Where the thing that you said you weren't going to do, you caught yourself doing, and you go, oh, no. And um, I just want to take a look at that real quick is maybe instead of saying oh I've ruined my fast you just pick it up right where you left off okay and don't discount the success you had because of one minute little failure okay just pick it back up again all right and I think this is what we should do in life we set our eyes on a target. We set our eyes on a goal. We set our eyes on a vision or a dream, and we move towards it. And along the way, there's setbacks. But you don't kick yourself because of the setback. You rehearse what you're going to do next time. Rehearse what you're going to do next time. Well, next time, I'm just not going to have the cigarette. Next time, I'm not going to eat the candy bar. The next time I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this instead. And just rehearse what you're going to do next time. Okay? You got it? All right? So just remember that next time. Next time I'll do it this way. Instead of condemning yourself, what good is that going to do? Nothing. Nothing. You know, talk about setbacks. We talked about Martin Luther King. There was times in his dream of seeing civil rights come to our country and rise up in the hearts and the minds of people, there was, there, was a, there was so many different setbacks that would have discouraged most people, that would have taken people completely out of the game. But the interesting thing is, there was, when he did his speech at the Washington Mall, it was the highest attended rally since the mall was formed. 200,000 plus people all sitting there waiting to hear what he had to say. And he had given pieces of this dream out and leaked it out at different times, but never in one place unpacked it the way that he did that day. The I Have a Dream speech is one of America's most listened to and loved embraced and acted upon speeches of our time ever and but that it never would have happened except for one little thing that took place right before he spoke it because a lot of people don't realize this that he had not planned to give the speech the way that he did he planned to touch on it but he didn't plan on doing it because it was really hot it was miserable and people were like dying out there, trying to just wait to hear what he had to say. So he knew his speech would be too long. And so as he steps up to the pulpit, he starts to talk about different things, and, and then all of a sudden, something came on him. And he, all of a sudden, his posture shifted. And when his posture shifted, there was somebody out there who says, oh, no. It looks like he's going to take us to church. 
He's going to take us to church. They could tell because his posture shifted like he's going into preach mode. And then Malia Jackson, gospel singer, famous gospel singer, she shouts out, Tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And all of a sudden, he shifted. And he began to give that beautiful dream. That every single one of us should have in our hearts as a mission for our lives and for for our world. I'll read a piece of it to you right now. When he stood stood up to the pulpit, he said, "I, I say to you today, my friends, even though we face difficulties of today and tomorrow... I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. Let me just pause there for a second. He loved this country, but he hated the mindset that belittled and imprisoned and limited and tortured and and tried to destroy certain people that had dignity but were treated with as though they had none. He hated that. Oh, but he loved his country. He loved his country, and he had a dream for it. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, by the con- but by the content of their character. This dream was a direct assault on a mindset that is deeply rooted in hate, a mindset that was programmed by the culture of the day, that there are actually people that have less value, less worth than others. Folks, we know that this is not the way of Christ. But Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., he taught us the way of Christ that day when he took us to church. He's still taking us to church. And the, the thoughts and the heart behind what he had right there was not based on just what he saw today, but what he saw in the future. May we have that same heart and that same mind. May we see the kingdom of God, heaven, and bring it down to earth like he did that day. Amen? So tomorrow, would you please not just take the day off, why don't you, tomorrow morning, just get up, and even if you have to go to work, get up early, and, or maybe do it this afternoon. Start researching until you find a nugget of truth that you never knew about Martin Luther King. And then just thank God for sending him. Amen? Amen. Can we do that? So when we take a look at what he did, and you take a look at what Christ did, and you take a look at what Paul did, and Peter, and all these different disciples, you recognize they did it out of a vision. They did it out of a a heart for something greater to happen to humanity. And so as we go into today's message, 
I really feel that it just all kind of falls together. It's interesting how it all falls together, right? And uh, so the title of my message today that will help you during your time of prayer and fasting, hungry and yet full, hungry and yet full, hungry and yet full, because some of you are even hungry this morning. I I could hear a couple of stomachs growling uh, out there as they're uh, not eating today or skipping breakfast or whatever it is that they're doing, but but it's pretty loud. It was next to me and it was loud. And, um, and, uh, but there is a way that we can be hungry and yet full. And, and that's where uh, prayer and fasting comes in. You know, I, I think this first week is basically, I mean, nothing really earth shattering happened to me this week while I was uh, going without certain things. And uh, so I'm waiting, like I usually do, I'm waiting to hear from the Spirit of God. And uh, nothing all week, really. I mean, there was a few cool things that just came to light and some cool thoughts and I, I felt really good about my message that was coming up and all that but, but then this morning when I was sitting there and I don't even know how this all fits but God gave this to me and I just feel like I should share it with you and um, it's I, 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 uh, I just felt like I needed to share it and we'll see how, where it fits At the PowerPoint guys if you would look for it um, I think I sent it to you and um, it's a, uh, in fact, let's put it on, on, the, on the screen. And I put it in a quote, okay? Can you find that quote and put it up there? Is your resentment or disillusionment of unmet expectations you have of God more important than you seeing the opportunities that you have to love and forgive in the same way you would expect God to? Okay, there's times when we feel resentment or we're disillusioned that God doesn't do what we want him to do. We were singing this song uh, about he won't. He won't fail. If you hear that song through the ears of everything you ask God to do, he does it, he fails. He fails. Because sometimes our prayers are putting some certain expectations on God, and if he doesn't do it, we fall into disillusionment or resentment, or we decide to erase the concept of God, the idea of God, the belief in God. And so I don't believe in God anymore. Or we put God in prison until he does this. I'm not going to love him. You, you see what I'm saying? So, so is the resentment or disillusionment of the unmet expectations you have of God more important to you than seeing opportunities that you have to love and forgive in the same way that you would expect God to? And so the, the, that thought just kind of rolled around in my head, and, and I think that sometimes we hold God accountable, but we don't hold ourselves accountable. And so instead of trying to get God to measure up to your expectations, start living up to your own expectations, the expectations that God has of you. And what is that? Well, his key message, Jesus summed it all up. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so 
Sometimes we get so distracted on what we wish God would do or would have done, and, and we hold him in contempt, and therefore it cuts off the communication because we posture God in the way that we posture our husband sometimes or our wife sometimes or our kids sometimes or our parents sometimes. We hold them accountable for what they should do instead of holding ourselves accountable for what's the right thing for us to do. Amen? So um, let's go to Isaiah because Isaiah was a prophet and his job was to bring a picture of what is ahead and what could happen and what God wants for your life. And this passage is very good for uh, times of prayer and fasting like we are in right now. By the way, if you haven't started anything like that, you, you should consider jumping on board with us and do uh, 21 days from here or do 14 days, whatever you feel led to do. But uh, get on board. But um, let's go to Isaiah 58. And let's, let's go ahead and let's start with verse 8. Now, I'm going to read this. This is kind of like the middle of this dream or vision or this instruction that the prophet is giving us. And I'm going to start with the end result. Okay? This is the picture or the dream. Okay? And uh, look here in verse 8. It says, Your salvation which means deliverance from captivity, the things that hold you captive. Some of you are fasting right now because you're trying to break a stronghold off of your life. You're trying to break a pattern of thinking or living, a way of thinking uh, about people, a way of thinking about God, or a way of thinking about yourself or situations. And so God wants to deliver you from that, okay? And, um, but your, your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Hey, I'm all for wounds healing, man. I don't want to hold on to that. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, here I am, he will quickly reply. Your light will shine out in the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the de deserted ruins of your cities, and then you'll be known as rebuilders of the wall and restorers of homes. How cool would it be if we could live just like that? How, what kind of condition would your soul have to be in in order to be experiencing this right here? Well, I'm going to show you how you can get to that place today. Because while you're hungry, you can learn to be full. You can be, learn to be full in a different way because there's an, inter an internal fullness that you can have on the inside of you even though you desire that piece of coffee cake or that piece of fudge or that beef stroganoff. A cheesecake with, you know, the cherries that go on the top, drizzled down the side, with a little whipped cream on top. Brazilian barbecue. <laughs> 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 
You may be hungry for something like that. But you can still be full. You can still be full. Okay? And this is fullness right here. Okay? This is a condition of the soul. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset. It's an emotion. It's a sense of well-being. It's a sense of fullness. It's all the stuff that we want. But it seems as though the circumstances of life crowds all of that out. And really what it is, is that we long for shalom. We long for shalom. And the word shalom means peace. But the word peace is so shallow compared to shalom. Peace of course, it's the absence of war. It's the absence of strife and fighting. It's all those things, right? It's, it's a beautiful sunset. It's peaceful in the forest. It's peaceful out in the golf course. It's peace, peaceful at the gun range. I mean, you know, all the things that give you peace. That was supposed to be a joke, but it didn't work. <laughs> but there's this, this desire to have peace. There's this dire, desire for everything to work out well, Okay. You ever been to a party where you just had the right combination of people and the food was just awesome and the fellowship was great and the music was great and everybody was having a great time and you just felt like, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. Or have you ever been with a group of friends and you're, you're praying together or you're doing a Bible study and, and then you broke out in some laughter and, and then you prayed for each other and, and it was just like, it was just like, the right thing. In Africa, there's a term called wasa, and wasa is, is a description of when the right people are together at the right time, doing the right thing with the right heart all together. It's wasa. In Israel, they call it shalom. And shalom, the actual de- uh, definition of shalom is a wellness within your soul. A wellness within your soul. It doesn't mean, it's not talking about the exterior things that are going on around you, but there's a wellness. There's a wellness that begins to light your soul. I, um, I looked it up, and it says that when people greet people in Israel since ancient times, when they say shalom, when they gather, uh, get together and they see each other, they say shalom, and it means may you be full of well-being or may health and prosperity be, be upon you. Something on the inside. It's, you know how we say hello. We just say, hey, how's it going? Fine. That's pretty deep. It's real deep, Right? But when they say shalom, they're saying, hey, how's your soul, man? How you doing inside? Paul said it this way, may you prosper and live in health even as your soul prospers in 3 John. May you prosper and live in health as your soul prospers. In our series about the soul, we're exploring how do we get our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will to the place where we're having wasah, where we're experiencing shalom on the inside, despite the things that are going on on the outside. You know, this is why we declare these songs. Noel picked out a great song list today. Uh, because, 
I mean, here it is. We're declaring that there is a peace that surpasses understanding despite the situations that are going on outside of us. And I can just picture Dr. King, you know, in the midst of, I mean, when he was at the mall, he's probably at a point of elation, just so excited, seeing that crowds and the response of people and how well the anointing just flowed with what he had to say, and he just unloaded that speech that just gave vision and color to everything. So awesome. He's probably on top of the world only to find his house getting firebombed and his kids being persecuted and then his life soon ending. A peace, a shalom that is still present in the midst of all that. That's what you're going to need. In the days ahead, you're going to need that. I guarantee you, you're going to need it. And I'll tell you another thing. You better start getting to church early. Because this place is going to fill up. I'm I'm speaking to you truth here. We're going to start seeing full services like crazy. And people are going to have to start getting to church early to get a seat. Because God is on the move. He's getting ready to do something. But we need to understand this as we're going through this prayer and fasting thing. This is not, not just about you. This is about us as a corporate body. This is why we're doing it as a corporate body because there's a personal application and then there's a corporate application. Now let's go back to Isaiah and let's go ahead and start with verse, let's start with verse one. And, um, and as we go there, um, let's remember this. That this is a picture of a prophetic dream, okay, that is personal and it's also corporate for the nation, okay? So I want you to hear it through, this is personal and it's corporate for our church, okay? So in Isaiah 58, verse 1, tell my people Israel of their sins, yet they act so pious, they come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. They have fasted, they have fasted, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. See, they're holding God contempt. They're holding God, they're holding court on God. They're asking these questions. I'll tell you why, I respond. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is a fast when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fast will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress up in burlap and cover yourselves with with ashes. Is this what God calls fasting? Or is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Okay. So are we really pleasing God because we skipped breakfast? Are we really pleasing God because we didn't eat sugar or didn't look at social media? 
shut down one of our vices? Do you really think this pleases the Lord? We don't fast. This is the thought that I have with this. We don't fast to move the hand of God. We fast so that God can move our hands. We don't fast to move God. God's already moving. God's just waiting on us to hear from him to make some of our own adjustments. Instead of having God make adjustments for us, we need to be making adjustments that God gives us, right? Okay? So we allow the Lord to do this. Verse 6. No, this is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives that need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Does it sound familiar? Here's the byproduct of the fast that God wants. Stop pointing your finger. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped down. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Okay, give to your name. Okay, verse eight. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and it'll quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call upon the Lord, and the Lord will answer. Yes, here, here I am. He will reply quickly. Remove the, the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious wor- rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those that are in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry, restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like everything, like, like an ever-flowing spring. And some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and restorer of the homes. So it says that there's a shift in our thinking about fasting that has to go from just going without to beginning to hear who it is we're supposed to relieve weight off of, who we're supposed to lift a burden off of, who we're supposed to set free that's oppressed, who we're supposed to help that's in need, who are we supposed to help that is hungry. And it's telling us, share your food. These are very practical, simple little things that don't seem very spiritual. But what it is, it's the merging of your soul with your spirit. Okay, so your, your soul is your mind, your emotions, your will, your decisions, your, the, the things that you think about, the things that you, the emotions that you feel, all that. All of those things are in your soul. But when the spirit of God connects with your spirit and starts telling your soul what to do, that's when we see the hand of God move. And when we act on the things that God directs us and inspires us to do and the people that he sends us out to help, then all of a sudden, now we're completing the circle because now our soul 
is engaged with our spirit who is connected to God's spirit and then he can start moving on the earth today. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? So what we wanna do is during this prayer and fasting time is we want to go ahead and shut down all the voices. That's why we don't eat you know, every meal. That's why we drink lots of water. That's why we are getting rid of certain vices and all that stuff, getting rid of the things that distract us online or whatever it is that is your vice or your thing that distracts you from hearing that voice. Once that is shut down, then we start hearing from God. And then all of a sudden, we start feeling led to do things, okay? Now, some people are really disappointed in God because certain things have not happened in their life. And one of the reasons that they haven't happened in their life is not because of God, is because there's people that are not receptive to what the Spirit of God is directing them to do. And so what we wanna do is we wanna posture ourselves in such a way that we are listening with the ears to hear not just what God can do for us, or a word that God will give us, but he's like, he's wanting to get us out there and go answer some of these prayers that are being shot up into heaven all the time. So how, how do you think it's gonna get done? We're gonna do it, because God moves through us. Now it's funny that in Matthew chapter 25, in fact, I think that we have that scripture, let's pull that up, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is, he's got the nations assembled and, and, and he's speaking over the nations and he's saying, saying this, Matthew 25, let's go ahead and I'll just go ahead and read it. Matthew 25, starting with verse 37. The righteous ones, so they're all gathered together, they're separating sheep from goats, okay? He's got the, the sheep on one side and the goats on the other side. And he says this, he says, that the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were doing it to me. Does this sound familiar to Isaiah? Sounds familiar to Isaiah to me. He's equating a heart for God equates in what you, how you treat people and what you choose to give yourself to. And the interesting thing is that in Isaiah it says, then, then your light will shine as the noonday. You'll be covered from in back and in front. You'll heal quickly. Your wounds will heal up all the things that you're dealing with and you're asking me to deal with, all start getting taken care of because when you heal others, you yourself get healed. When you help others, you yourself get helped. There is a fulfillment that comes. Now, interesting thing. It keeps on going down into verse 45 in Matthew. It says, and then God will, Jesus will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And then they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, a lot of people think, well, that's kind of mean that God would send somebody to hell just because they didn't go visit somebody in prison. 
or that they didn't give food to the poor. Would God really cause them to go into eternal punishment for that? Or you mean you get to go to heaven if you go to the soup kitchen? You get to go to heaven if you do good works for people? No, that's not what it's saying. Because the word eternal right there does not mean afterlife. It means this life. It means life of the ages. So if you look it up and you read it in the original language, it describes a fulfilled life or eternal unfulfillment. Regret, remorse, pain in the soul. So if you want a healthy soul, we need to follow what the prophet said in Isaiah that says, when you fast, make sure you're listening for instructions because God is going to start highlighting different people in your life that you're supposed to lift a burden off of. This is what Dr. King did. Dr. King had a mission and he had a purpose. And even though he died when he died, more came out of his life than most people will ever have in their whole life. And so even though his short life was cut short and his, his kids didn't get to have him as long as they would like to have, his life had meaning and purpose. And we also know that there is an afterlife and we do know that there will be a lot more to experience then. But we don't weigh everything on just this life. But the life that he deposited here for all of us to enjoy is something that all of us can be grateful for, but we can also pattern our lives off after the same thing. This is why so many people's soul is unhealthy is because they don't have a sense of purpose. And Jesus and Isaiah and Dr. King demonstrated and showed us exactly how to have that sense of purpose by allowing God to use us with the heart of compassion, the heart of forgiveness, the heart of kindness, and bringing the gospel to all people. Amen? Can we do that? Can we shift our, our prayer and fasting to include that? Could we begin to have a prayer and fasting time that allows our going without, our going hungry to be fulfilling for others and not be a self-centered thing? This can be a Christ-centered thing that causes us to reach out and make a difference in our world. Maybe Today, you go, man, I just don't have that sense of purpose. I just don't have, I don't even know where I'm supposed to give or serve or do or whatever. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. You might be at work and you'll just see somebody sitting in their cubicle and you'll go, that's, that's her. That's your project. Might take six months, might take a year, but that's your project. Just like the guy that reached me in the shipyard. He spent months becoming my friend and eventually introducing me to Jesus. And I'm here and you're here because that guy fasted his lunch so he could talk with me. Could have been with his friends, could have been with all his buddies that were at work, but he would sit with me day after day after day. Why? Because God put me on his heart. Who will God put on your heart? Would you bow your heads and receive this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that is here today. I pray, God, that you would speak to them.
and show them how they can move from fasting into acting on the things that you place inside of their heart. Lord, this week, may you just draw us attention to certain people that you want us to reach, certain problems you want us to fix. God, we are people of shalom. We're here to bring function to dysfunction. We're here to bring healing to wounds. We're here to bring peace to where there's unrest. We're here to bring people together instead of dividing them apart. Lord, stop our tongue when it gets ready to say something that's divisive or separates people from loving one another, God. And shut that down so fast, Lord God. And as, as you do, give us words that we can build people and pull them back together again. May your kingdom come, Lord. May your will be done. And may the dream, Lord, that you have for our world come to pass. Use us, despite what is going on around us, use us this day in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Would you stand on up to your feet? I bless you as you go. I believe you'll have divine appointments this week. I pray that every place you go, that you see opportunities and people that God wants you to reach in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.